Hey everyone, I'm Ron Johnson and this is Locked On Sports Minnesota's podcast network and it's the Friday roundtable. We got Luke Inman, we got Sam Ekstrom, we got Brandon Warren joining us, Twins Insider. And you know what? There's no Locked On show without building the menu. So you know what, fellas? What's on the menu today, Luke? Well, how about this, Ron? The Tennessee Titans cleaned house this week, cutting some big names. Could Quasi and the Vikings do the same as they look to clear some much-needed cap space before free agency begins? Brandon, what you got? The Twins are, are in Fort Myers for spring training. Games start this weekend. We're going to break down what they need to figure out before they come north to play some games in this much colder weather than you're experiencing right now. And Sam, what you bringing to the table? Timberwolves coming out of their all-star break hibernation. I'm not super optimistic about the final 21 games. Well, I'll deliver the dessert. There's a raccoon, there's a trash can, and there's Aaron Rodgers. I don't know why those go together, but it reminds me of the Avengers and Rocket with Groot. So maybe, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers, raccoon, darkness, who knows? (laughs) Is he a robber with bandit? We'll find out, though, coming up next on Locked On Sports Minnesota's Friday Roundtable. And remember, we are a proud partner of CARE 11. Just go to care11.com backslash locked on. You'll get all of our videos, all of our shows. But also remember, this episode is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. That's fanduel.com backslash locked on to get your free offer today. And you want to make every moment more. I know when we were betting on the Super Bowl, the parlay made the game because the Vikings weren't in the Super Bowl. And so the parlay made the game so much more exciting. The AFC NFC Championship, so much more exciting. Baseball season's coming. You got hockey right now. And then those basketball parlays, you saw Anthony Edwards. We talked about the All-Star game. Those parlays with him scoring 30-plus now, the D-Lo's gone, they're probably going to start hitting. But we got to jump into the first topic. We saw the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans made a ton of cuts. It's like Taylor Lewan. You saw player after player from the Tennessee Titans get cut, and everybody – and then Brandon – or, sorry, Wagner uh, got cut from the Rams, and everybody's sitting up there, Bobby Wagner, and everybody's like, are the Titans going to clean house because we know they have a new GM? Well – I think this is the trend when you look at the new salary cap around $224 million. People want to make space to try to sign the guys they want to keep, but then also understanding this year's draft is important. You're going to have a lot of COVID draft picks, meaning you're going to draft these guys and they're already going to be 24, 25 years old. So you can make an investment knowing that this guy's a little bit more mature, a little bit older, uh, a little bit wiser in this draft class because you're going to see guys like John Michael Schmidt, Going to seven, he would have been a seventh year senior at the University of Minnesota. He's going to be the first, most likely the first offensive lineman taken. Maybe the Vikings will take him at 23. When we look at these roster moves, these trades, these cuts specifically, I'll start with you, Sam. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the Vikings are going to start to cut down as well? So the the previous regime, Ron, they usually waited till the last second. And and also the previous regime, they didn't cut a lot of people. They usually tried to restructure, to extend, to make sure that people hung around maybe a little longer than they they should sometimes. We haven't really seen how Quasi operates yet. So I think it, it, it could come any moment now. Honestly, it's a Friday. I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings had a Friday news dump coming later today with a big name being cut. I don't have any information. But I wouldn't be surprised if they have one or two veterans that get released here in February. I keep coming back to the name Dalvin Cook. I just think that that's a player that they're probably not going to restructure under any circumstance. I I just think that based on his value um, to the team as a running back versus his salary, 
I'm just not sure that that's going to work out for the Vikings. So I could see Dalvin Cook actually being that big name. Um, but then a lot of those other veterans, guys, they actually want to keep them around. I think it's just a matter of will they play ball in a renegotiation. And there's a ripple effect. One renegotiation impacts everybody else because if Kirk Cousins can save you know, $10 million by restructuring, then that mm-hmm. money gets applied somewhere else. So I, I don't think it's going to be a big windfall of names cut, but I think we could see one or two. And we have Brandon Warren joining us, Twins Insider. Uh, when you think about the Twins being one of the cheapest organizations in America, uh, finally starting, you saw Carlos Correo get, get re-signed after you know, two other teams, uh, I guess, ditched him. Uh, but when you think about the, the Vikings in that aspect of they've been kind of similar, like the, the Timberwolves, the, the Twins, the Vikings, nobody's really ever put a ton of money into their team. And I think the Vikings with Justin Jefferson, they're going to start to have to figure out, like, how do what, what's more important to us? Is it offense or is it just a makeshift defense? And we're going to have a bunch of guys out there like the Rams when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, when you look at the Patriots, every time they won the Super Bowl, they would always have like one defensive tackle and they'd have one cornerback. And then other than that. It was a Bill Belichick show. Brandon, when you think about the Vikings and, again, seeing all these cuts and you hear about Adam, Adam Thielen having to figure out how to get that $19 million down to around $9 million, uh, do you see cuts coming in the Vikings' future this offseason? Right, and what I want to know is what personnel on the defensive side Brian Flores has decided to hone in on because I've seen people say Eric Kendricks could be a better fit for his defensive scheme than he was for Ed Donatel. Um you know, anytime you get into the 30s and anytime you get into those double-digit cap figures, um, you know, cap restructures come into play. Offensively, it's no no stranger to the fact that Dalvin Cook for a running back isn't particularly young. Adam Thielen, you know, we all love him. He's a Minnesota kid. You hear it 10 times every broadcast. But what does the future hold for him? Is It takes two to tango if you're going to restructure. So what I love about new regimes, and we saw it with the Twins a few years ago and now with the Vikings now, is it takes some time to get a feel for their rhythm. With Rick Spielman, it was picking up extra picks. It was treating vets a certain way. I'm curious to see how Kwesi does it. But I'm really watching the defensive side of the ball because, one, they struggled there, and, two, it's going to be a totally different defensive setup. Yeah, Luke, what do you got? Yeah, they're both right. Like, we don't know Kwesi's tendencies quite yet, but what we do know is this front office needs every single penny they can get just to stay above water. That's how bad this cap is. So right off the bat, just to fling out a couple names, I think cutting guys like C.J. Ham, Jordan Hicks, and D.J. Wanham make a ton of sense because it clears almost $11 million off the books and doesn't make your team that much worse. And I think those three are ideal because it doesn't rock the boat too much as far as making the roster significantly worse, but they also leave hardly any dead money on the books either. And that's why I think guys who have these huge dead cap numbers like Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith, they're going to be back next year on a restructured deal because I highly doubt Ziggy is going to sign off on paying nearly $30 million of his own cash right out of his <laughs> own pocket just to watch those guys play somewhere else. It's just not very realistic for owners to do that more times than not. Unfortunately, the one big name I could see them parting ways with because his dead cap is just so low is Eric Kendricks. And I love the guy. I think he's had a great career here. But out of all the big names, Kendricks is the only one with a dead cap number less than $2 million, And that would save almost another $10 million alone. So mm-hmm. it's not fun, but it's a business. But by cutting Ham, Hicks, Wanham, and then Kendricks, now you've just cleared $21 million off the books, for example. And now you can start to look at restructuring other big names like Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen, and maybe even Kirk Cousins, too. 
Yeah, when you look at the dead cap versus the cap savings, I think that's the that's the one trigger. And you were dead on with Eric Kendricks. Eric Kendricks, one point nine million dollars in dead cap, but he could give them a nine and a half million dollar savings. But I I do like Brandon Warren's take because this is the reason why. Brian Flores' defense is going to look way different. If you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, you look at some of these teams that use a 3-4-4-3 hybrid defense where they have a guy like a Mike and a Mo that get after the quarterback, where they use a Darius Smith and Eric Kendricks on the same side and go after the quarterback, similar to Mike Zimmer. I just think, Eric, I mean, it's hard to find really good Mike linebackers. And here's the thing. If you think they're going to go out, because I know a lot of people probably, you know, every every time Pelissero says somebody got cut, every Vikings fan looks at who it is and if the Vikings can get them. Bobby Wagner being one. The question is, do you get more out of Bobby Wagner than you get out of Eric Kendricks? My answer is no. I don't think you do. I think those are the same players. They're both pro bowlers. I, I think you find a way to keep a guy here who jails with the rest of the team. I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if it's going to happen. Totally new regime that somehow Anthony Barr ends up back with Minnesota at some point under a cheaper number because you look at a coach who's going to be aggressive, who's going to want to use athletes in space. Now, Anthony Barr's health, you know, where does that stand? Because that's always been an issue from, you know, I think, what, this fourth year started where all of a sudden he had little nagging injuries here and there. But you also have Daniil Hunter who made it through a whole season. But you had Darius Smith who got hurt. The other dead cap number, Kirk Cousins, huge. We know that's not going anywhere, and they wouldn't save anything. So we know he's not going to. People keep saying, oh, let's cut Kirk Cousins and start over. It's not going to work. But Adam Thielen, $13 million, but his dead cap's only going to save you six. So then that $19 million, is it worth losing 13 just to save six when you can find a way to say, hey, look, just take off six and we'll give you 13? And I think that's what the Vikings are trying to do right now. They don't want to give them 13, though. I think they want to give them like nine or 10. Um, and that's why you see a lot of the messages going out, you know, the cryptic messages from, from Adam Thielen's camp sometimes or once in a while, like, oh, you know, the Swan song, and this has been great, and we want to win a championship here, but we understand it's a business. So there's a lot in there. Dalvin Cook could be one of them. Uh, Daniil Hunter does have a big one as well, $18 million. And so it, if you're not going to put him as a true go-after-the-quarterback guy in a five technique, because he's not a three, but he could play a five, and you could run a three-four hybrid, put a linebacker outside of him. I, I could see that one being one where everybody's like, I can't believe they cut him. But at the same time, are you getting usage out of him if you're not using him like T.J. Watt? So I look at the T.J. Watt situation and we are going to think about that. So when you look at these parlays, I know everybody has to understand. But first, I want everybody to remember, you can download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on Amazon Fire and Roku. Just go to your TV, hit search. Type in Locked On Sports Minnesota. You'll get our app right on your TV, all of our videos, all of our shows. And we have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. This show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NBA is back from the All-Star break. The Timberwolves take the court again tonight. They are six-point favorites against the Hornets at home. Ron, you talked about it in the open. Anthony Edwards to score 30. That's minus 120 at FanDuel. How about to score 40? Plus 500 to score 40-plus points. Anthony Edwards tonight. Oh, Ron, I know you are salivating. You want to place that bet right now. You want to get in the action with that same-game parlay, a good way to enhance your winnings, to stack bets on top of each other. Easy-to-use app, very easy to figure out those same-game parlays, and instant returns after you win deposited into your account at FanDuel. It is the official sports betting partner of Locked On, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And if you're a first-time sign-up, you can claim your no-sweat first bet. Get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if the first bet doesn't win. FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. FanDuel, make every moment more.
Well, we got to talk about the Timberwolves. You just brought it up. Anthony Edwards with his new team, Mike Conley Jr. now being the uh, point guard. Uh, you think about Rudy Gobert. He's there. Carlin D. Towns may never come back. But when you think about this team and you think about this offense, and it's got to go through Anthony Edwards and his all-star game comments were the best as far as I'm not trying to rest. I don't need load management. I'm young. I'm, this is fun. Everybody's coming to see me score 40. Everybody's putting money. All the locked on fans are putting money on me to score 40. So he's going to want to go out and score 40. When you think about this, I'm going to start with you, Luke. The Timberwolves, their next three games, they got the Hornets, they got the Warriors, they got the Clippers, and then I'll go with their fourth one. They got the Lakers, which is a D-Lo, like, ah, uh, yeah, uh, like, I'm, I'm, right. I'm trying to, I'm trying to give everything I can to this Lakers team. And that's the one I think March 3rd, Friday, March 3rd. I don't know where you're going to be, but I'm going to be glued to the TV because that's the one. And I might even try to get to that game because it's in Minnesota. And that's the one where everybody's going to. I mean, I think that game's ticket sales probably just skyrocketed now. Lakers, uh, it was already going to skyrocket because LeBron, you know, maybe his final season. Who knows? Like, probably not, though, because Bronny's going to come out in 2024 now in his lottery pick. Mm. But when you think about that, Luke. Where do you see the, the 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 Timberwolves in these next four games? I think the big key to these next four games and just post-All-Star break, and I'll admit it, guys, I didn't like it right away, but I think when we look back, this trade for Conley is going to be the best thing that happened to him because with D'Lo, you had a guy who soaked up another 12, 15 shots a game, and by the time you get Cap back, too, now it's almost like you got too many mouths to feed. You got too many cooks in the kitchen. Conley not only is that pass-first point guard, but he's got that pre-existing experience and just chemistry with Gobert in Utah where they both thrive together next to one another. And that's going to be, I think, the missing key to Chris Finch finally putting all these pieces together for once. So now you're maximizing Gobert with Conley. Meanwhile, Ant is thriving. He's averaging 25-30 a game from here on out. And then you get the best shooting big man in the league back with Cat here sooner than later, we hope. I think despite this tough schedule that you laid out here, Ron, I think this Wolves team can get hot, go on a sneaky mini run here, earn themselves an outright playoff berth by the time we get to the postseason. Maybe I'm looking too far ahead, but if not... I think they're going to win their playing game and buckle up. I could see, I'm foreshadowing, another Wolves-Grizzlies round one rematch. Ooh. You talk about the rematch with the Lakers coming up with D'Lo. A Wolves-Grizzlies round one rematch. I can't find anything more dramatic and exciting. I mean, the storylines would write themselves at that point. Yeah, what you got, Brandon? Well, I, I was going to say about the same thing as far as how Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert gel together the more time they play. Uh Again, they've played a lot, but it's still kind of hard to regain, re-spark that immediately in a new location. So I, I want to see, and I like, too, the idea that instead of giving up on a plan, especially one that costs them so much, try to make it work. How do you make things better for Rudy Gobert? Because even if you thought that, that D'Lo was a part of this team's future, he would have had to sign an extension, which wasn't going to happen. Gobert is a bigger part of this future, not only because of his salary, but because of his role, whatever it took to bring him in. I mean, any number of reasons, he's more important. So you have to find a way to accommodate him. So to me, I want to see how those two guys come together, how they acclimate Cat, again, assuming knock on wood that he's coming back soon. Um, Charlotte is pretty bad, so that should be a a good game for them. But at the Don't same time... Don't say that, Brandon. Don't they say lost that. To Detroit. They lost to Detroit at home. It's been so, so I mean, bad against these bad teams. Right. And so I wish Golden State was here instead of there. They've been a much worse team on the road. But I think this team is poised to pick up steam as it goes on. And keep in mind, too, you look at this landscape of the NBA. Teams like the Suns have struggled. Devin Booker being hurt. Durant hasn't debuted yet. Um, there's nobody really running away with it that you have to be like, 
you know, Golden State's not as infallible as they used to be. Now, again, there's teams at the top, the Denvers and whatever, that are still very good. But you've got a chance if you get in to make some noise. You just have to get in first. Yeah, Sam, where you go with Evan? Yeah, I mean, Brandon alluded to it. Winning on the road down the stretch, the Wolves only have like eight home games of the last 21. They are on the road most of the end of this season. Um, and they're 11 and 17 on the road right now. So they're going to have to win some road games if they want to even sniff a top six seed. To be honest, I think that the Mavs with Kyrie, the Suns with Durant, I think that they're going to separate from the Wolves here. The Wolves have just proven time and time again, whenever they have momentum, they lose to a bad team and it gets snuffed out. Losses to Houston, losses to Washington. Uh, hopefully Mike Connolly got some rest during the All-Star break because he looked comatose in that Wizards game before the All-Star break. Um, here's my hot take. The Timberwolves are going to get in the play-in round. They are going to meet Utah in the play-in round because Utah's they're just they're too good to tank. They've got Walker Kessler. I think the Wolves meet the Jazz in the play-in round and they get ousted by Kessler who shuts down Gobert and ends the Wolves season. <laughs> no. Poetic. Well, I'm I'm going to go here with this one. Mine's really quick. I think the Timberwolves are going to struggle. I, I just don't see – like, unless they let Anthony Edwards, like I said, go for 40 a night and become the Michael Jordan of this Timberwolves team where everything goes through him. So if you run the triangle offense, you got to get it down or go bare, but go bare is got to kick it out. If you don't have a shot, I hate when bigs that don't have – like, like when you look at Joel Embiid, he's got moves. When you look at uh, Djokovic, he's got moves. The Joker has moves. Um, go bare doesn't. Like, Gobert's got bang, bang, bang. Oh, somebody's going to grab me. Oh, let me try to go up. And it's like, maybe he gets fouled. Maybe he misses it. And then he looks over at the ref like, oh, why did you get me the – call the foul. I just don't feel like he's that guy. He's like Bill Cartwright to me. Get the ball quick. Turn, shoot. If you don't have it, kick it back out to Anthony Edwards. Let Anthony Edwards and whoever's on that side, whether it's Connolly or whoever, let them get back into the flow of the offense, pick, roll, do whatever. Rudy, come up and pick. Ant go step pop like it's got to be a little bit better offense but it's got to go through Anthony Edwards and maybe getting rid of D'Lo was the answer because we know D'Lo was a ball dominant point guard as well and like to have the ball in his hands so I, I like Luke's take I, I've given points to Luke on that I love the 2-7 where they play the uh, Grizzlies again because I think that the, the NBA wants to see Ja versus Ant again I think that was an exciting series and that will sell tickets uh, before we jump into the Twins talk, and we got to talk about the Twins, the Twins did sign a shortstop. Well, second base. He's a middle infielder, played shortstop, but he's going to probably play second base with Carlos Correa being there with the Twins. Um, he's 35 years old, though. But we'll talk about that next before, but we have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. Uh, now that the, the blizzard is over, maybe you ate through your pantry, you need to stock up again, go get some more Built Bars. you got to try this delicious treat. You don't get the fat and calories, but you do get the taste. Built Bar is 100% real chocolate. Their flavors are innovative, delicious, and incredible. Peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, brownie batter, just to name a few. And you can get them in store. Go to the pharmacy section at Walmart or Sam's Club. Pick up a box of Built Bars. Did I mention the flavors are great? Coconut puffs, cookies and cream, double chocolate. Mmm, Built Bar. They nail it every time. Don't know how they do it, but you can also head to the website and claim your built bars at built.com with the promo code locked on 15 for 15% off online or in store. Built bar, you can thank me later. Well, we got our twins segment coming up next. We got Brandon Warren, so I'm going to start with you. 
They signed, like I said, they just signed a middle infielder in Donovan Solano. When you think about that signing, going to second base, uh, a guy that can move. Middle infielders are very important to people. Like, understand that that's when that ball is like deep in the hole, maybe right up the second base line or right at the second base, you know, mound and the, the pitcher gets out the way or doesn't have a chance. You need a guy that can cover a ton of space, get to that ball. I mean, I always remember the Ozzie Smith kind of, or yeah, I think it was Ozzie Smith made that in the hole catch, jumped in the air, threw a guy out. But at 35 years old, I don't know if, if Solano still has that. But, Brandon, how important was this signing for the Twins? Yeah, at this time of the offseason, it's hard to know if there's going to be anybody who can can do a whole lot for you left. But for me, Solano kind of fills that role of like a really good backup point guard or that really key core special teamer that you have. He's going to be kind of a mix and match against lefties. He can play some first base. He can play some second. Doesn't have the strongest arm, so I don't think he's going to be much insurance for them at third base. But basically what they did was they found a cheap and a little bit older version of Luis Arise. And it's a guy who's got some good bat-to-ball skills, doesn't have a lot of loud talent in terms of uh, tools. You know, he's not going to hit the ball hard all the time. He's not going to wow you with the defense or the foot speed. But championship caliber teams or playoff caliber teams, however you want to slice that have guys like this as their 24th, 25th, 26th man on the roster makes perfect sense. It was not a name I was focused on, but it's a, it's a nice move. And I wrote about it, um, you know, that, that it was curious, but logical. Mm. Sam. Yeah. It's interesting because Solano, if you look at his numbers, it looks like he didn't really start hitting until he was 31 years old. He was out of the, the big leagues for a few years. And with the Giants, he hit 308 over three seasons. Um, remember, the, the Twins signed Kyle Farmer as kind of their super utility infielder. Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong, but Farmer was a guy who could play three positions on the infield. And now they have insurance to the insurance. And the Twins do like to... like. They rest a lot of guys. They take guys out of the lineup for a day or two a week just for load management purposes. So Farmer's going to play a ton. And now Solano, I assume, will find uh, bats as, you know, at bats as well, maybe in kind of a platoon role. Um, and I just assume the Twins are going to deal with injuries now. That's kind of what their reputation has been. So if you have someone that can play at a high level, who's a veteran, who can put together professional at bats, I think that's a positive. Luke. Sounds like a low-risk, high-reward move where you're getting maybe an aging vet tail end of his career, but hit 284 last year, gives you a solid bat versus lefties, which I know they could use. And maybe most importantly, like Brandon kind of mentioned, as they figure out their plan A, B, and C at first base, now they got some options again. They got some wiggle room there with Solano as a guy who could give you some games there if needed. So I think the upside is worth the risk because, you know, if he doesn't pan out, you can let him go without any long-term ramifications. I heard somebody fling out, he's like the Walmart version of Luis Arise. Sounds like that might be kind of true, huh? Yeah, and to, to Sam's point, too, we saw last year how much a team with injuries can be derailed mm -hmm. in when it's Byron Buxton out for 70 games, 80 games, whatever it is. They're trying to make the pieces of the puzzle still fit together in, uh, in an instance where a guy misses a couple games. So they're just they're better equipped this year, and they got a new uh, head trainer, so you can't say they're not trying. Yeah, and, I, and I'm going to give the points to Brandon on that. I like the fact that he can play first base, second base, and he could potentially play shortstop. I think when you think about middle infielders on a team, I think you hit it the nail on the head, injury. How if you if somebody goes down, if somebody's maybe sore hamstring for the day, can you move this guy to first base? Yes. Can he play second base and that's where he's good at? Yeah. If 
Carlos Correa's leg, he needs a day off. Can he move to shortstop? Yes, he can. So I think that's going to be the key where you're not like if I'm a general manager, I'm not sitting there trying to figure out like, oh, crap, what do I do? Well, you have filled that piece again. He's 35, but in baseball. So I'm going to I keep saying he's 35. I'm going to preface this. If there's any sport you could do with 35, it's baseball and, and nothing against baseball. It is a hard sport like pitching versus hitting <clears throat> tough. But like some of those games that I've been to them, and I know, Brandon, you probably go to them all. It's not a lot of like nonstop running. So you you can reserve your body. You know how to like you know how to take care of your body. He's a vet, so he knows how to get in and out of the clubhouse as far as here's my meals for the day. Here I can help out some of these other guys figuring out how to lo- be you know longevity in their career. So I think it's a good piece to add to the puzzle. Here's another one though: spring training. What's the most important thing for the t- for the twins? To figure out during spring training, because like during training camp for the Vikings, it's always offensive line. It's going to be offensive line again this year. For the Twins, though, what is their thing? What are the fans all screaming? Because I know the Vikings fans are screaming, go go get a center and a guard. Go get a center and a guard. What are the tw- – and now probably get a cornerback. But, but what are the Twins fans screaming? I'm going to start again with you, Brandon. Pitching. It's always t- pitching, pitching, pitching. And the, the problem is right now – Twins fans didn't see much of Tyler Malley. They didn't see the best of Jorge Lopez. And so before you talk about this offseason's acquisitions, you go back to the trade deadline last year, and those guys left meat on the bone. Tyler Malley is a very good pitcher who can hit 95, good secondary stuff. Jorge Lopez is 98 with a nasty sinker. And both of those guys left something to be desired last year. So the idea that the Twins didn't add enough pitching hinges on fans not really paying attention to that and then not really being in tune with how good Pablo Lopez is compared to Luis Arise. So the pitching is all going to shake itself out. Will Kenta Maeda be healthy enough to make 25, 30 starts after missing last year? There, there's a lot of questions on the pitching side that I think it's, it's going to keep coming back to that. Offensively, they've got a lot mm-hmm. of players who can handle the bat and do some things. But again, if, if everybody stays healthy and you know we're knocking on wood over here, uh, it's a good ball club that Pitching is what fans are going to watch. I'm watching more for will the young hitters step up. Sam. Yeah, uh, Brandon covered the pitching. How about Byron Buxton? Byron Buxton's the most important player to this team on a day-to-day basis. What is the budget for Byron going to be this year? Is he going to be 50% DH, 50% center field? Or is this is this the Joe Maurer pivot where he stops playing the position of value and goes to full-time you know, in Maurer's case, it was first base. Is this Buxton going to DH all the time? Are his center fielding days all but done? Uh, that's my question because last year they tried so hard to keep him on the field and they still couldn't coax 100 games out of him. I think he was behind the eight ball from the beginning. I think he got hurt in April and it was playing catch up from that point on to keep him healthy. Um, and even if he goes into the season healthy, guys, you know, that's usually when he plays his hardest and at times recklessly uh, with his slides and his dives in center field. And usually it goes badly for him. I I love him when he's healthy, but how long is that going to last? So how are they going to handle Byron Buxton here? Uh, We'll see what, what they say and and how they demonstrate that in spring training. And it's not coincidental that they traded for a gold glove center fielder to back him up. It's Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Luke, what you got? Yeah, these two covered the crux of it. I mean, injuries decimated this team last season. So I think first and foremost, seeing those big names, how they're doing, getting everyone healthy, and then obviously staying healthy too. But the pitching specifically, like Brandon said, I want to see how guys like Kenta Maeda and Tyler Malley are doing. And then like Sam said, the big names, checking in on Carlos Correa and that ankle, Byron Buxton. You just hope those guys are good to go and can get out of spring training as healthy as possible, top to bottom, the whole roster. But outside of that... I think I'm most intrigued about just this group of outfielders. Seems like there's a lot of them, and which one of them might end up playing first base when it's all said and done. I know Alex Kirilov is plan A and kind of the dream scenario, but he's also dealt with injuries the past two seasons, so you got to have a backup plan. Is that Joey Gallo? Is that the next guy in line? Maybe, although now you're moving a gold glover from his natural spot in left field to first base. So are you maximizing his best skill set? I don't know. Maybe a question for Brandon. But I've also heard Kyle Farmer's name flung out there a few times, perhaps. But figuring out the pecking order at first base Mm -hmm. outside of Kirilov is going to be on the high priority list for sure. Even if that means another season of a platoon, a three, four names rotated in and out, then so be it. Yeah, and I'm going to give the points to Brandon again. I think pitching. Like I, I think you have to figure out the pitching. Uh, that's going to be the key. Uh, I'm also giving a lot of points to Brandon because he has a, a newborn baby. So I think he deserves as many points <laughs> as he can get. Yeah. Um, but yes. but I think pitching, like I, I, and this is where I go to. One other thing I think is they need to figure out chemistry. When you think about the teams that find a way to win, it's always something quirky. Like I thought the Bomba Squad was going to give it that because it was like a quirky thing. These guys were wearing like robes in the dugout like they seemed like they were getting along together like teams that have no chemistry like the vikings they're getting along with the gritty like everybody likes the gritty kirk cousins is starting to do the kirk chains i think they're building something uh i think those are the keys like the giants you know they had their michael strahan everybody jumps and he you know do the boom thing for the super bowl run it always is something about a team ray lewis you know in the ravens it was defense and then it was the ray dance i mean it's it's always something to get a team going and and for the Astros, it was cheating. I mean, everybody rallied around it. I mean, <laughs> oh, man. buzzers and everything. So I don't, I don't know what it is, but but I do know uh, I'm looking at that second base, that that infield shortstop relationship, the chemistry. Because again, when there's a double play opportunity, how in tune are you to know that even you don't think I can get it to you, I'm gonna scoop it and I'm gonna you know glove it to you. I'm not gonna put it in my hand. The transfers are going to be extremely fast. Can we be on that same page? But the reason I say pitching, you look at pitching, you got Garrett Cole, Matt Scherzer, you got Shoei Otani, uh, Jacob DeGrom, you got Shane Bieber, you got Justin Verlander, my guy. I I was hoping the Twins could finally get Justin Verlander, but they couldn't. Uh, You got Clayton Kershaw, you got Carlos uh, Rodon, you got Corbin Burns, and, you know, Bob, Bob, going on the list. The Twins have to find a way to get one of those guys at some point. Like, you have to find a way to get an absolute flame-throwing ace um, to kind of lead the way and to, to be up for the top awards and all that kind of stuff, the Cy Young. and whatever. Like, I, I feel like that's the other key to getting in there. Like, either you have really hot bats and a decent pitcher and great infielding and outfielding, or you have a pitcher that when, you, when it all said and done, I know I can I can hold them to one or two runs because my team's going to put up three. Or I can hold them to no runs because my team's going to put up one. Like that's where Justin Verlander is so important to so many teams because it's like, look, he's old, but the guy can still throw it. And we don't need to use him but 22 games. I mean, that's the thing about baseball. They, they only need to do like 22 games sometimes in a season to really get the best out of that guy. But I think pitching is going to be the key for me, and that's why I give Brandon the points. 
Well, fellas, we got one more topic coming up. We got to talk about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, we know everything he's been through. He's become a social media joke, but he's also the real deal on the field, and that's why everybody's paying attention to what he wants to do next. He has that Michael Jordan, that LeBron James, that Alex Rodriguez, that Derek Jeter type of like everybody wants to see what's going to happen next. But before we jump into that, Sam, remind the people of who we all drafted in the XFL. Right, so we each took two teams to follow throughout the year, and we'll see whose two teams have the better record at the end. So Reggie Wilson, he's got the only 2-0 and team. The St. Louis Battlehawks moved to 2-0 and last night. He's also got the Orlando Guardians. Uh, I can't. What's their record, Ron? 0-1. Okay, so Reggie's got the Battlehawks and the Guardians. Ron, you've got the Defenders and the Vipers. I'm 1-0, and and I'm 0-1. Inman, Renegades, and Brahmas. Ooh, he is 1-0 and 0-1 as well. Okay, okay. And I've got the Roughnecks, coached by Wade Phillips, and the Sea Dragons, who I don't think are doing very well. Yeah, the Roughnecks are 1-0 and and the Sea Dragons. And I'm, I'm actually glad. Who took them? You took them, Sam? I took the Sea Dragons. I'm, I'm glad you took them because they're 0-2. I was going to take them because of Josh Gordon. Like, I thought Josh Gordon was going to be the savior. But clearly, quarterback and defense matters. That's the two keys. All right, Sam, so what team is Kyle Slaughter on? Yeah, the Arlington Renegades. So they are 1-0, but he is backing up, so hopefully we'll see our guy Kyle Slaughter get in eventually uh, and make some – again, we said we had Jeff Bidette, former Viking. He's playing as well for an XL team. Uh, we got to jump into this last topic. It's, it's, a, it's a funny one. It's also a serious one at the same time. Aaron Rodgers has allegedly – come out of his four-day darkness retreat. They said the room was a 300-square-foot room. It did have a bathroom. It did have a bed, a queen-size bed, and it had a yoga mat or meditation mat, as they want to call it. It was a yoga mat. Um, But he was in there for four days. He got fed, and then he came out of the darkness. There's a ton of memes out there right now. My favorite one is the raccoon opening up the trash can and looking like absolutely like he had a, a one of those, you know, hour naps that you don't realize how long you actually didn't sleep. That's what the raccoon looked like. I feel like Aaron Rodgers probably looked like that when he came out of the darkness. Luke, what are your thoughts? Is he going to retire? Is he going to pick a new team or is he going to stay with the Packers? You know, honestly, Ron, I really thought once the season ended, the way they lost to the Detroit Lions at home, the way Rodgers kind of slowly walked off the field dramatically, taking one last look with Randall Cobb and watching Jordan Love play as good as he did in spot duty, both parties were ready to move on. But now that the dust has settled, you got reporters like Tom Pilicero are reporting maybe one last dance is in the works. Maybe both sides do want to run this thing back. And I think ultimately it's going to depend too on his market like what if Rogers says I'll come back but someone is offering an offer they just can't refuse because when you look at how many quarterback needy teams are out there right now then maybe his price gets pushed up and the Packers could not only get a king's ransom for him but then be able to finally see what they have in Jordan Love after all these years before he's set to hit free agency next season and I think out of all of them a team like the Jets who have this win-now roster, a stacked defense under Robert Salas, some young offensive weapons, and they're just a quarterback away from being this legitimate Super Bowl contender. If he's not playing in Green Bay next year, I don't want to say shocked, but I think I would put a lot of chips on the table to say that he's playing for the New York Jets. Maybe the Raiders have an outside chance. They're a sneaky wild-card option as well. What you got, Sam? Yeah, I read that story that you read, Ron, on ESPN about the little hobbit hole that he lived in, um, <laughs> and and all the you know the the things that happen to people philosophically and spiritually when they go into these darkness retreats. I don't know if somebody sits in there and decides, 
yeah, I want I want to go make more money and I want to get hit. A lot of like right. I feel like you leave those things and you you're at peace with your life outside of football. You want to do philanthropy and you want to you know go into the wilderness and and grow ayahuasca. And I don't think Aaron Rod. I think that you leave something like that and you you move on. You retire. So I think Aaron Rodgers comes out of his darkness and he says, "I'm done. I'm going to grow a beard. I'm going to you know go buy a farm somewhere and I'm going to grow hemp." And it's going to be over for me as an NFL player. Wow. Brandon, what you got? Well, it's complicated because that 300 square foot little retreat that he was in sets him up perfectly to get used to living in a New York City apartment. So um, he's he's (laughs) equipped there. Uh, We talked about uh, briefly mentioned the Raiders. The Raiders, too, were talked about as a landing spot for Tom Brady assuming he stays retired, which we don't know a lot about. The complicating factor for the Packers is dead cap space and the fact that, and I'm sure they're going to turn it down, but th- don't they have to make a, an option decision on Jordan Love too? So they have right. to, uh, yeah. so they have a lot of questions that they're going to have to answer basically blindly. So, um, you know, just when you think you know all the answers, Aaron Rodgers changes the questions. And um I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with staying in Green Bay just because it's gonna be Ooh. so hard to move off him cap wise. And you know, I know he walked off the field like the great Hulk walking away, mm-hmm. but um I think he's got unfinished business. And yeah, Brandon. So you look at the option, like I I totally agree with that when you look at Jordan Love and that option and is it worth the money? I know Sam had pointed out to me that, you know, it could be in the range of $20 million. Do you think that's a value to get a starting quarterback? Well, you look at Geno Smith. You look at all these other quarterbacks that never got the shot who eventually figured it out. Can Jordan Love be that guy? Who knows? It's going to be a running team. They're going to run to run the ball. So maybe Jordan Love's good enough to do that. Or do they try to trade Jordan Love or trade Aaron Rodgers or trade both? to try to get some of these higher draft picks to go find a C.J. Stroud, to go get a Will Levitz. Um, The Packers have a lot to figure out. I've heard that they don't even want Aaron Rodgers back because they're sick of his BS. They're sick of of playing this game with him. But I do like the the, the 300-foot room in New York. Like, Brandon, again, coming with the points. Like, that is a New York apartment for, I think, what, the the rent would be $500,000 a month. Um, for 300 square feet right yep. in the middle of uh, the city. Uh, this is one report, though, I will say that Aaron Rodgers is going to screw himself if he doesn't hurry up and decide. The Jets reportedly told Derek Carr he'd be a Hall of Famer if he were to come to New York as well because of their market, because of his ability, and because of the receivers they have. And so Aaron Rodgers, I'm pretty sure he he was in his retreat when this happened, but I'm pretty sure his team is keeping track of that because, like he said, his team's the only people that know so everybody that's giving all these reports off had no idea. So he kind of threw shade at Tom Pelissero. He threw shade at uh, Schefter and all these guys that report. He's like, if you're not in my team, you don't know what's going on. And so I think that's going to be the key for this. Aaron Rodgers, um, I, I could see him try to come back to the Packers, though. I could see, like, th- that whole, like, leaving after losing to the – who wants to lose to the Lions for your last time in a uniform? Like, I don't think anybody wants to finish their career like that. So especially their career as a, as a Packer – but we've seen stranger things before. Um, here's one fun one before we get out of here, fellas. Uh, I wanted to just one, one quick thought real quick. If the Timberwolves were to beat the Grizzlies, so this is the 7-2 matchup. If the mm-hmm. Timberwolves were to beat the Grizzlies, now we're going to get some hot takes. If they beat them in the playoffs, because we know that people figured out the Grizzlies are just fake bullies. If they beat them, could they potentially end up in the NBA championship 
Start with you, Luke, really quick. It's a gauntlet, man. I mean, would that be great momentum? Absolutely. It's a gauntlet, though. Kyrie with the Mavs, Suns, Nugget. I don't think anybody's trumping the Nuggets. I'll keep it short and sweet. No, Ron. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Brandon. I mean, it's going to be an epic battle based on what we saw last year. And I feel like it'll take it out of the Wolves just to win that to where they'll be compromised moving into a second series. I want to believe because I don't think the West is as stacked as it has been in the past. But this is the Timberwolves we're talking about. It's really hard to be optimistic. <laughs> Sam, what you got? I don't. I don't see it. Um, the West, though, it's it's ripe for the taking. Like yes. there are not a lot of overwhelming teams in the West, so that is in their favor. And Carl Anthony Towns is the wild card. If he plays again, and I think there's legitimate question whether he does. Um, Maybe he's figured it like maybe he has had sort of a breakthrough where he's not freaked out by the playoffs. He shows up and just plays his butt off and is the best player on the floor. That's one way where it could happen. I'm going to say I think they can, but they're going to need glue gal. They're going to need uh, every protester to protest every game because <laughs> every protest game. They were undefeated. Let's not forget that every time somebody glued themselves to a court, tried to attack the owner or chained themselves to the rim, the Timberwolves were undefeated. So we're going to need all the protesters in Minneapolis, in New Orleans. You guys got – I mean, wherever you're at, just get to Memphis, get to Minneapolis, come down from Florida. I don't care. We can get Florida protesters because we know they're crazy and they'll bring alligators and who knows what. They probably won't even know they're protesting, but just come <laughs> because we're going to need – the Timberwolves need your help. Well, that'll do it for us today on the on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Roundtable. That's Brandon Warren. That's Sam Exum. That's Luke Emmon. I'm Ron Johnson. We want to thank you guys that continue to watch, download, like, and share. Remember, you can download the app. Just go to your Roku or your Amazon TV. You can get Locked On Sports Minnesota right there on TV and wherever you get your podcast. And also on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Thank you. Have a great day.